Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Glory to God. Are you ready to receive the word of God? We are reading from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. And then I will just tell you three or four things. Then we are going to pray. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read from the King James Version. I think you can follow it up. And I will read all the 23 verses. I'll be very fast so that we can save our time. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. You can underline that. Verse number one, for I have provided me a king among my sons. Verse two, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will shew thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I, am, whom I name unto thee. Verse 4. And Samuel said, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled and at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably, or do you come in peace? And he said, Peaceably, or yes, I come in peace. I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. Or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the earth. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen this. Verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. You can underline that verse 13, the second part. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from the Lord troubled thee. 
Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is cunning on a harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Verse 17. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, of the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and, comely, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and bottle of wine, and a kid, and went and sent them by David his son unto Saul. Verse 21, And David came to Saul, and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. The Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. This was a time in Israel that there was an interesting transition. The Bible tells us that the elders of Israel looked at other nations, Pastor Kevin, and said unto Samuel, the prophet and the priest of God at that time, make unto us a king like other nations. They looked at what other people who were not in the covenant of circumcision that was given to Abraham and they desired to be like them. That translates into those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ beginning to look at the people of the world that are not in covenant with God and they begin to say, oh God, we want to be like the people in the world. So the elders of the children of Israel, they came to Samuel, the prophet of God, and they said, make for us a king. Because before that time, God was their king, but he would rule through a prophet, or he would rule through the judges that he had appointed by that particular time. There was no throne in Israel because the throne that was leading the people or guiding the people or giving instructions to the people was not a throne in Israel but a throne in heaven. But the people came to Samuel and said, we do not want to be ruled by somebody that we don't see. We don't want to be ruled by somebody that you keep coming to tell us this is what has said. Make for us a king. Are you following me? Praise the name of the Lord. And so, Samuel, Pastor Julie, was grieved by this matter. And he went to the Lord. And he prayed to God. And God told him, I am not a dictator. If those that I have redeemed want to be ruled by their own, I will give them their permissive will. Hallelujah. Because when it comes to the will, when it comes to wills, there is the perfect will of God for your life. 
That which God had ordained for you. That which God wants you to accomplish. But when you begin to compare yourself with the people of the world. And it, you begin to focus on the world. And you begin to admire the world. It begins to create appetites in you. That will make you go to God and say, look, I don't want you to be the one calling shots in my life. I want to be like those people in the world. You may not say that actually in prayer. Because it will look arrogant. You will say it by the way you live. Praise the Lord. And God said, okay, fine. They want a king. They will get one. And to cut the long story short, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 that there was a man called Kish and the other son called Saul. And the Bible says that there was nobody among the children of Israel that was like Saul from his head up. He was taller than his peers. He was visible. He was built. And the Bible says that the Donkeys of Kish got lost. If you look at the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1 and 2, you will see there that Kish was not your normal ordinary person. He was a prominent man. He was a rich man. And he was from Ephrathah a, 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 a in, in Bethlehem of Judea. He was an elder. He was a public figure. But his donkeys got lost. And for God to give the children of Israel what they had demanded for. If you look at that scripture, you will notice that Samuel came and told them, Before I make for you a king, this is what the king will do to you. Are you ready for the injustices? Are you ready for the consequences of what you are asking for? And they said, No, we want to be like the world. Give us a king. And let me tell you, church, God will not force his will on you. I can't get an amen there. Hallelujah. God has his will for you in his word. But if you choose to have your way, God made you in his image and likeness. And God has a will. So if he made you in his image and likeness, it means he also made you with a will of your own. So that you can make a personal decision whether you want to be on the side of God or on the other side. But you know I love God so much because even in your permissive will, he is involved. It may not be perfect, but he's involved. Glory to God. And so, the donkeys were lost and Kish told his son, Take a servant and go look for the donkeys. I don't want to get into so much of that because there is so much teaching for us in 1 Samuel chapter 9. But I want to tell you that it took lost donkeys for the son of Kish to find the throne. Hallelujah. It was in the process of looking for that which was lost. And he looked for it. And he looked for it. A prominent man had lost his donkeys. An elder had lost his donkeys. A man that is known in the neighborhood. Nobody could see the donkeys of Kish. Because it is God that had hidden them. 
so that in the quest of looking for the donkeys, instead of finding the animals, Saul found the throne. And there's a good lesson there for you. Hallelujah. That you should stop searching for what was lost. Because I remember when Saul met Samuel, the Bible says that as for the donkeys that you are looking for, they have already been found. And your father Kish is no longer worrying about the donkeys, he's worrying about you. Because sometimes you can waste your time looking for things that were lost that you become lost even yourself. Hallelujah. Everything Saul was looking for had been found. God hid the donkeys so that in the search of the donkeys, Saul can find the will of God for his life. Praise the name of the Lord. And I want to challenge us this morning, church, that you should stop the search. Because everything that you lost and you've been looking for, Jesus has recovered it in Calvary. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I am not going to look for somebody to love me because when Jesus went on the cross, that was the biggest display of Valentine's as you know it. Praise the name of the Lord. I am not going to look for somebody to appreciate me or to take me for who I am. I am not going to sell myself cheap or to stoop low so that I can be, I, I can be accepted. People look for identity. People look for meaning. People look for purpose in the wrong places. And they end up getting lost in the cause. God is saying this morning, whatever you are looking for, Jesus has found it. And now he's worried about you. And Saul became king. And the story is tragic. Because he did not obey God. You can read that story. That is not my message for today. And he lost the kingdom. In one year, he couldn't do the will of God. Bible says that he was instructed by Samuel to go and destroy Amalek. The reason is when Israel was coming out of Egypt, Amalek set up an ambush and attacked the children of Israel and killed the women and the children. And because God is a God of justice, he told Samuel, I want you to tell Saul the king to go to Amalek and to completely wipe him out because justice had to be done to the women and the children that had died when they were coming out of Egypt. But when Saul went there, he decided to kill part of the Amalekites and he decided to keep the trophies because God said kill the animals kill the sheep, the cows, the goats the dogs, everything and everything that has the Amalekite gene, I do not want it to be alive because justice has to be done. But when Saul went to the battlefield, he decided to obey God partially and partial obedience is disobedience church. Hallelujah. So he took the king, Agag, and came with him as a trophy to show Samuel that the king has conquered. He took the animals, and Samuel came and said, Why is it that you have not obeyed the Lord? And Saul said, I obeyed the Lord. I killed the Amalekites. Only I left a few sheep and cows for the offering. To offer to you a God is becoming an apostate. 
He's not even referring to God as his God. He's referring to God as the God of Samuel. And it didn't take long. And Samuel said, because of your disobedience, you have lost the kingdom. I anointed you among many qualified in Israel to be the king over God's people. But because of your disobedience, the Bible says that Samuel told him, the kingdom will be taken away from you and it shall be given to another that is better than you. In fact, the Bible says that it shall be given to a man after the heart of God. So there was a problem. Because when Samuel met Saul, the Bible says that he told Saul, tell your servant to move forward a little bit so that I can tell you the will of God. And they went to uh, the roof of a house. And the Bible says that Samuel took a flask of oil and he anointed Saul. Saul was not anointed in public. He was anointed in secret. Nobody knew where that anointing service took place until after Samuel had come to announce the kingship of Saul. And there are a lot of lessons there. But here comes Samuel and he begins to mourn and to grieve for Saul because he has disobeyed God. The Bible says that he was mourning you know, many times we mourn for people who are dead. But the prophet of God was mourning. Not because Saul was dead, but because the king had, begin, had, be, had, had begun to become what the prophet was afraid of. And he was mourning. He was mourning. So 1 Samuel chapter 16 opens by saying, God is speaking to Samuel and he's saying, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? Yet I have rejected him as king over my people, Israel. Your mourning will not change my will. Your mourning will not make me to reinstate him. Your mourning longer than it should be. That is a closed business church. Disobedience can close business with God. Oh yes. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, God told Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go to the house of Jesse of Bethlehem. Scripture says, because among his sons, I have appointed myself a king. Today I'm speaking about the making of a king. And I have seven things that will have to take place because any, before anybody becomes a king or before anybody enters the kingly dimension. Last Sunday, Pastor Stan taught us from the book of Revelation where the Bible says about Jesus, chapter 5, he says that you are worthy to take the book and to break the seal thereof because you have slain and you have redeemed us unto God by your blood and you have made us kings and priests. When redemption happened, those that were redeemed by the blood, they became immediately kings first and then priests. I remember... When there was a royal wedding in Great Britain, 
And the other day we had a royal funeral. Kings are born. Hallelujah. But they don't begin to rule at birth. They have to be raised. They have to be brought up. They have to be shown the ways of the kingdom. So that when they become of age, they will be able to advance the agenda of the kingdom. And one of the things with Saul is that nobody raised him. And nobody taught him. And nobody introduced him to kingship. A big and stark difference between him and David. God says, God says to Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, of the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So point number one, in the making of a king, what does it take for somebody to be made a king? When you were born again, you became redeemed by the blood of the lamb and positionally, you became a king and a priest. A king is a ruler, we were told that, and a priest is a worshiper, he attends to the altar. And so there has to be a balance between the king and the priest. And today I want to show us how do we become kings. Yes, we were born again kings, but we need to be raised because you cannot begin dominion and rulership at the point of birth. Somebody has to introduce you to the ways of the kingdom. Somebody has to teach you the ways of the kingdom. Somebody has to show you the boundaries of the kingdom. Somebody has to show you the authority of the kingdom. So that when you become of age, you can be able to exercise the powers of that particular kingdom. Praise the Lord. So number one, the first requirement in the making of a king is sonship. Hallelujah. Sonship. I have seven things to say. If time runs out, I'll just say one or two. Because there are many other Sundays. Sonship. Look at First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Hallelujah. Kings are chosen from among sons. Not vagabonds. Not people without an address. Not people without a home church. Am I speaking to somebody? You cannot be the member of five churches. Okay, I'll get an amen this side. Praise the name of the Lord. The king is chosen among the sons. Hallelujah. The first requirement in the making of a king is sonship. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 11 that as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. When we got born again, we became sons of God, not by the will of man, not by blood, but we were born of God. Hallelujah. So when we got born again, we became sons in the kingdom of God. 
But that does not mean that is the only type of son that we are. And the type of son that you are will depend on the type of father that you are. So I want to tell you about three types of fathers. The first father that is important to you as a son is your earthly father. Is your parent. Is the person that legally brought you into the earth dimension. So you become a son to your earthly father. Your earthly father is the one that introduced you to the earthly realm or the earthly dimension. And the evidence that you have an earthly father is because you are here. If nobody sired you, you wouldn't be here. Praise the name of the Lord. So you become a son to your earthly father. And your earthly father, as a son, deserves your honor. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Do we have it? Somebody was asking me, why do we always talk about fathers and we're not talking about mothers? It's because when... When Adam and Eve came together, the two became one. So when you're talking about your father, we're also talking about your mother because they are not separated. They are together. Praise the name of the Lord by marriage. Do you have a question? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Another translation says, children, honor. Is it, do you have it in verse 2? Yes. Give us verse 2. Yes. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So, the first type of father that you have as a son is your earthly father. And what he deserves from you is honor. You don't help your parents. You honor your parents. Hallelujah. You are not helping your mother to pay rent. And you are not helping your father to buy token. Or to buy medicine for his donkeys or for his cows. When you do that, what you are giving him is honor. Hallelujah. That is the first type of father. The second type of father is your heavenly father. So notice number one, the earthly father. You are a son to the earthly father. Number two, you are a son to the heavenly father. The earthly father brought you into the earth dimension. The heavenly father brought you into the spiritual dimension. So you can become the son of your earthly father forever. And if you don't get born again, you are never going to be fathered by God. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, the 8 billion people on earth, they are not all the sons of God. Do. Hallelujah. Don't believe people who say that we are all sons of God. That is not true. Because sons are begotten. Praise the Lord. If a man has not sired a son, Biologically and genetically, that is not his son. That is why my father is not Gideon's father, biologically. So the heavenly father brings us into the heavenly or the spiritual dimension. Don't lose, don't, don't get lost. So we say the first requirement is sonship. And you are a son to your earthly father. He deserves honor. Number two, you are a son to your heavenly father who, got, who gave birth to you in the spirit. And your heavenly father, just like the earthly father deserves your honor, your heavenly father expects worship from you. So earthly father is honor. Heavenly father is worship. Bible says in the book of John chapter 4, 
Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman and he said that the Father is seeking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus, Mrs. Agacho, did not say that God is seeking. He said the Father is seeking. And if you're talking about a father, then he must be speaking to the sons. And so God is not expecting worship from those that are unregenerate. He's expecting worship for those that he has redeemed by the blood. For those that he has saved from sin. For those that he has delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his son. That is what your heavenly father expects. And number three, you are a son to your spiritual father. So earthly father, honor. Heavenly father, worship. Spiritual father, following. Tell your neighbor following. The earthly father is honored. The earthly father is honored. The heavenly father is worshipped, but the spiritual father is followed. This is the man that leads the way in your spiritual life. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Who is your spiritual father? Because we are told in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 that God told Samuel, I have ordained a king or chosen a king among the sons of Jesse. Who is your spiritual father? That is a subject for another day. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians church, he said that follow me as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah church. In the kingdom of God there is order. Glory to God. There are those who have gone ahead of you and they have been with the Lord longer than you and they have brought you up in the ways of the Lord and they discipled you and they have given you spiritual food and they have shown you the spiritual ways and they have counseled you and prayed with you and they can be able to relate with you. The Bible tells us concerning Paul that Timothy was his son because he had learned the things that he knew. He knew them because he had learned the ways of Paul. Spiritual father is the person or the home or the house where you belong. Pastor came in another place. The Bible says, Paul, Paul, Paul is saying that you have many teachers but few fathers. The problem with this generation is that every good teacher becomes a spiritual father. It is good to have many teachers, but it is better to have few fathers. Hallelujah. You cannot have 10 spiritual fathers. You cannot have 20 spiritual fathers. One is in Canada. The other one is Nigeria. The other one is in Tanzania. They don't even know you. And you're calling everybody Papa. That is an absentee father. Praise the name of the Lord. A spiritual father is not absentee. It is a man that you see every day. It is a man that you follow every day. The spiritual direction that he takes is the one that you follow. The first requirement for you to be a king is that you must be a son. The Hebrew word for son basically means he who advances the agenda of his father. 
a son does not have a will of his own. He carries on the will of his father. That is why Jesus, the son of God, he came and he said that I have not come to do my own will. I have come to do the will of my father which is in heaven. The purpose of the son is to advance the will of the father. What is the will of God, your heavenly father, for your life? And are you advancing it? Jesus was both the son of God and he was the son of man. Praise the name of the Lord. Meaning that he had a heavenly father. And when he was praying, he said, Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in some places when he's talking about faith, he says when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? He referred to himself as the son of God and at the same time he referred to himself as the son of man. Meaning that he had a father in heaven, but also he was fathered by Joseph, not by siring, but by being brought up. Because it is God that miraculously brought Jesus into the womb of Mary, but it is Joseph that rose Jesus up. Hallelujah. And it took 30 years for Joseph to raise up Jesus so that he can do ministry for three and a half years. Hallelujah. The problem with Saul is that nobody fathered him. He wasn't anybody's son on matters kingship. You must be a son. Praise the name of the Lord. Kings are chosen from among sons. Praise the Lord. And you are the son of God in whom he's well placed. In another place, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 verse 36, Bible says that we are all the sons of God through Jesus Christ who saved us, or Jesus Christ our Lord. When we come to Jesus, we all become sons of God. And so, as a king and a priest, you have already been qualified by being a son, but you don't stay there. You have to be brought up by your spiritual fathers or your spiritual authorities or your church or your, the place where you call a home church so that you can become a king away from the house of God. And I will explain that shortly. Now, the Bible says, I'm about to finish. I have a few minutes. The Bible says that God told him, go to the house of Jesse because I have ordained, I have, uh, he says, let me get it. Yes, he says, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I? How can I? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. He will kill me and so on. And the Bible says that God said, uh, uh, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, verse 3, and will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I have, whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. You see, one of the challenges that makes people not understand sonship is sonship is not expressed at home. Are you with me? 
Sonship is expressed away from home because the son is the representative of the father. But we do not need the father to be represented at home. We need the father to be represented where he is not known. So the reason we raise sons is not so that they can stay in church. It's so that they can be deployed out there to be able to advance the kingdom of their father. Praise the name of the Lord. And that then tells me, if you look at David, when Samuel arrived to the house of Jesse to offer the sacrifice, the prophet came, the father of the house was there, and the brothers of David were there. But David was missing. Hallelujah. How come the brothers of David, who are soldiers, later you will see in the Bible, what are soldiers doing at home at the time of war? Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah, they were in the military. But when the prophet came for a worship experience, because that is what God told him, go there and have a worship service. And as the service is continuing, Saul will not think that you are about to anoint a king. He will think it is the normal prophetic service. Then tell Saul to come and arrange his sons. What were soldiers doing at home? The one that became the king was absent in the meeting. Hallelujah. Because sons represent the father out there. David was about his father's business that he missed his father's prophetic event. Because the father is not represented at home. The father is manifested out there in the marketplace. Out there in the corporate. Out there in the world. Bible says for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son the manifestation of Jesus as the son of God did not make sense in heaven. It made sense when he descended from heaven, from the home of the father, and he came to the world to represent, to pursue, and to accomplish the will of his father. Hallelujah. Sons are not raised for employment at home. They are raised for deployment into the world. Hallelujah. Whose son are you? Later we shall see. When David has conquered Goliath, Saul will come and say, he will not ask who is this youth or what is your name. He asks, whose son are you? Who is your father? Because there are some victories that can only be attributed to those that are fathering you. Hallelujah. We must be sons. These three brothers of David represent the people who are always hanging around church. I'm letting it sink in. God has called me to pray for the church. You are in the church 24 hours. You have left your wife. You have left your children. You have left your husband. You have left work instead of working. Your deliverables have delayed because you are praying all the time. Let me tell you, the altar is not a physical place. It is a spiritual place. You don't need to be in church 24 hours for people to know that you are a son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Because what were soldiers doing at home? Men are fighting the Philistines. These guys are with their father at home. Praise the name of the Lord. Being with the father all the time or fighting in the king's army does not guarantee that you will be the next one on the throne. There are people who think that when they stay in church for a long time, that is the likelihood they will become a bishop or a pastor. Sons are for deployment. Hallelujah. And may you be deployed today in Jesus' name. In the place where you are working, represent the will of your father. Push the agenda of your father. Preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. We are not supposed to preach to people who know the truth. We are supposed to preach to people who do not know the truth by the way we speak and by the way we live our lives. And that cannot happen in church. These guys were in church. There was a spiritual father there. There was a prophet there. There was a service there, but none of them saw the throne. The one that got the throne was not in the meeting because he was about his father's business. And that takes me to point number two. And I am going to pray. So the first requirement is sonship. The second requirement, Pastor Kev, is stewardship. David was with his father's sheep out there in the wilderness. He was not at home. There is always a problem with sons who are always at home all the time. They become so familiar to the father that they begin to think that they are servants. That is what happened when the prodigal son came home. Because his elder brother had been so used to being at home that he was doing what the servants were supposed to do. Because we are told he came in the evening with the sheep. Why would you bring sheep in the evening and you are a son, yet your father has employed servants? When you stay in church for a long time, you know, there are these people who are always in church, eh? Eh? Me, God has called me to be an intercessor. Yet the expression of the king is not on the pulpit. This is on the throne. It is on, in the world out there that you are supposed to conquer and dominate and rule and show forth the glory of our father. It is not here in church. There has to be a balance between the priest and the king. Hallelujah. The second requirement is stewardship. David was in the field in his father's business. He was taking care of that which belonged to his father. And he who was a son and was also a faithful steward, when Jesse had brought all the sons and God said, this is not the one. This is not the one. This is not the one. Samuel asked, do you have any other son? And he said, there remained one 
But the problem is that he's with the sheep. His father even did not bother to call him because he didn't think that he was worthy of the kingdom or the throne. And Samuel said, send for him because we are not going to sit down until he has come. People had to wait for the son of the father, for the steward of the father to come so that the service can be complete. Stewardship. He was with the sheep. He was taking care of his father's business. And his father's business is not at home. He was not working from home. It was not a home office. He was out there taking care of the interests of his father. Stewardship is a requirement in the making of a king. Are you a steward of where God has placed you? If we cannot be trusted with the sheep, we can never be entrusted with the kingdom. If we cannot be trusted with the sheep of the father, the interests of the father, we cannot be trusted. We be entrusted with the kingdom. And so he comes. The most unlikely. He was not in church, as you know it. He was not in the service. When the sacrifice was being offered, he was not there. But he was a son that was about his father's business. And that is the one that God wanted to be king. Hallelujah. Kingship looks for those who are sons and for those who are stewards of the affairs of their father. Where God has placed you out there, are you a steward of what belongs to your father? What God has put into you? I know you are a priest because you are a worshiper and you come to church. And we express that dimension of a new, of a born again believer, a priest, a worshiper, a minister unto the Lord. But there is the other dimension of kingship that requires us to go out there and to show the glory of the Father and to show the person of our Father and to represent the will and the purposes and the intentions of our father. If you are in education, in business, in corporate, whatever you are doing, are you a steward of what God has enabled you to do? Stewardship is a requirement in the making of a king. Because if the father cannot trust you with the few sheep that he has, God cannot trust you with the kingdom anywhere on earth. And when you're talking about kingdom here, we are talking about areas of domination 
or areas that we can be able to exercise authority. It could be education, it could be medicine, it could be business, it could be real estate, it could be agribusiness, it could be infrastructure, it could be logistics and all those things that you do. It could be law, it could be whatever God has called you to do. Are you a faithful steward there? Because other than being a son, God expects that we have to be stewards. David was called when he was busy doing something. Hallelujah. Sometimes people think when they spend too much church in too much time in the four walls of the church as we know it that God is likely to call them. These are the guys who are always around church all the time. They don't have work to do. They are not pursuing anything outside there and they are the biggest troublemakers by the way talk to pastors. Because they are idle. They are not conquering or dominating or effecting the, 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 the purposes of the father out there. David was busy doing something. He was busy taking care of his father's business, not at home, but out there. But if you are faithful out there with the interests of the father, God can call you in so that you can become king over a bigger domain. Hallelujah. It won't happen by mistake. Kings must first be sons. Then they must be stewards. Praise the Lord. I want us to make a prayer this afternoon. That we are going to be found as sons in the house of God. And we are going to be found as stewards of that which the Lord has given unto us. Because those two, five more are remaining, we will get time, are a great requirement in the making of a king. Jesus told us that if you cannot be trusted with little, you cannot be trusted with much. What are you doing out there with what God has given you? I want to tell you for free, one of the things that we have had in the marketplace out there is that it is very difficult to do business with Christians. I'm sure Chesa and Gideon will agree because they're in business and many others. There is a, there is a reputation out there of believers because we do not know how to express our kingly dimension. We don't pay on time. We are entitled to help. We are entitled to free things. We don't like invoices. We just think because this is a pastor, so you should be able to give me your goods and services for free. We need to express the kingly dimension. And that will take sonship and it will take stewardship. If God has given you a company, what are you doing with it? God has given you a family. What are you doing with it? God has given you children. Are you parenting them? Or you are just a prayer warrior who cannot parent the children? You pray all the time. Areas you are supposed to parent, you are rebuking the devil and cutting his tails and his horns and rebuking him and saying fire seven times. That is the ignorance of the priest. The, need, the king needs to arise that the priest is the prayer warrior, but the king is the parent. Hallelujah. 
people have gone for a board meeting. You, you are praying in tongues in, in, in the office. People are in court. They are making a case. A client wants to win. You, you are in Acacia. And you tell people, touch not the anointed. Neither do my prophets any harm. If you are going to be kings and music, you need to move out of church and go out there. Say amen, Kogi. Hallelujah. Because here you sing for two hours. And we know you are saved. And the God you know as we know. So we must push this content out there. But you have to be a son in the house that you are representing the agenda of your father. And you have to be a steward. What are you doing with your voice? God has given it to you. You know the brothers of David said, where, where have you left those few sheep? To the brothers there were few sheep, but to the father he found a son that was faithful. What are you doing with your voice? What are you doing with your networks? What are you doing with your YouTube channel? You spend 10 hours on TikTok and you are a musician and you have no single song. Nothing. You don't know how a studio looks like. You just know Citizen TV studio, nothing else. Yet you are saying, one day I am going to be like so and so. You are dreaming. Hallelujah. We must be stewards of what God has given us. What are you doing with the money God is giving you? Praise the Lord. I want us to pray as we rise on our feet. That out there, we are going to express the will of the Father as sons. We are going to represent God. Out, not in church. I know you are born again. Let people out there in the darkness, that is where the light is needed. Praise the name of the Lord. It is not needed in church. Light does not need light. The church is already enlightened. Sons must go out there and they say, I like your diligence. I like your competence. I like your excellence. Where do you come from? And you will introduce them to your father. You can't be praying when people are working. A thousand times no, as Pastor Stan says. You can't be on the altar here calling unto God and people are in business meetings, are in studios, they are recording music. Well, we go church man at 24-7. Even your wife is wondering where you are. Okay, not you, Des. You know, I normally eat in his house so he can say, never come to my house again. Hallelujah. Just lift up your voice and say, Lord, I want to be a steward of what you have given me. Thank you for sticking in to the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.